Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, uh, it's a big week. Yeah. How are you doing? I am doing just lovely. I feel... I feel pretty good about this game. Nick is a little more uh, optimistic than I. I'm not pessimistic to the point that I think Penn State is going to win this weekend, but I think they have a pretty, uh, what could be a pretty tough one on their hands against the Michigan Wolverines uh, coming into this game. Five and one, three and one mark in Big Ten play. Uh, Latest poll, they were ranked 16th in the nation. All of that is a bit... Nick, I feel like if you said to most Michigan fans, you're going to be 5-1 with a 3-1 record in conference play, your only loss is going to come at Wisconsin, which looks like it could be a playoff team, and you're going to be coming into that Penn State game, again, 5-1, ranked 16th, all that stuff. At the beginning of the year, they'd be a little bit bummed, but they wouldn't be furious. But then if you look at where Michigan fans are right now, oh my God, are they mad? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right that they, I think that's probably the right, um, the right feeling. They'd be bummed, but not overly upset. But yeah, when you actually break down what these games have looked like, then it's very clear where, where they are, where the anger is coming from. And a lot of it stems from, uh, a guy that we know a little bit in our neck of the woods, one Josh Gaddis, who has been hired to be uh, the program's offensive coordinator, and there have been some pretty serious growing pains there. And we're going to break down that Michigan offense as we get into this game, going to break down both sides of the ball, how we think this one is going to play out. But Nick, when you look at where, again, think of what we know about Michigan, where they are right now try to separate ourselves from uh, whatever personal feelings we might have. Uh, what do you feel about this Michigan team heading into this game? I think that this Michigan team, hmm, what do I think about this Michigan team? It, I, I think it's probably unfair right now to assume that this is what their offense is going to look like for the rest of the season just because and this is not to say that Josh Gaddis is Joe Moorhead because he's not and I think the the quote that maybe we can read off in a few minutes here about what James Franklin said about their offense is pretty much tells the story of why this offense is not Joe Moorhead's offense but I think the offense could could and probably should improve before the year is over just because like we saw with Penn State back in 2016 brand new especially for Michigan this it, you could argue that the change in scheme from what for what Penn State had when Moorhead came in, came in was less drastic than what Michigan is going through right now from the Jim Harbaugh offense to the Josh Gaddis offense but I I don't think all hope is lost for this team but I I don't think a Big Ten title berth is anywhere near on the table for them. I I think they are most likely, maybe not most likely, but eight and four is very much on the table. Um, it's it's not great. <laughs> well, I, I mean, but... that's the thing, like eight and four with losses to. Let's just again hypothetically say they go eight and four. That means they have losses to Wisconsin. Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, those are four teams that could end up at the top 10. When you look and at it... And they could very well lose to Michigan State. Th- th- sure, they can lose to Michigan State. I mean, Indiana is going to be, be- is better this year. Uh, they're probably going to beat Maryland. But we'll say they go 8-4. and four. Again, four losses of top 10 teams. Again, on its face, that seems like a reasonable thing. But before this season started, I, I don't remember, Nick. Did you- I-, I know I picked Michigan to win the Big Ten. Did you? Mm, I don't think I did. I think I said Ohio State, but but regardless, like I'm not sure. I, I'm guessing you know we, we we should go back. I'm gonna go back and listen to our preseason. We should really we should also really track our picks for these Big Ten games each oh, week. Lord. Uh, yeah, I mean maybe maybe I'll go back and do that. Th- th- this is how you know Nick 
is not a teacher anymore. Uh, as, but yeah, you look at all that stuff and it seems like that'd be fine. But for a team that had legitimate and I think grounded in some amount of reality aspirations of competing for the Big Ten and competing for a t- playoff berth this year, that's like catastrophic. <laughs> like eight and four is a respectable season, but when you consider where Ohio State is, where you consider where a Penn State team that is breaking in a new quarterback is, that's that's not good. And it's something that I think adds a really interesting uh, – it, it adds an interesting subplot to this game specifically. I mean, we saw what happened when Michigan announced that this game was going to be a night game. Uh, you obviously don't want to put too much stock into what the Twitterverse says, but if – you have some time to kill. Go find the tweet where the Michigan football account said this is going to be a night game and just read what Michigan fans said in response to it. Like, it's nihilism. Like, there, there's, like, a sense among some... It's truly Mich- amazing. There's, like, a sense among some Michigan fans, Nick, that this game just shouldn't be played. They should just give Michigan a loss and get on with it. But, yeah, I, I, I think you can make the case that... Oh, God, I don't want to say this before they play, but, like... Even though they're again five and one, three and one in conference play, ranked in the top twenty, they've been a bit of a disappointment this year. Which gap is larger, uh, the twenty nineteen Michigan team versus the twenty seventeen Michigan team, or the twenty nineteen Penn State team versus the twenty seventeen Penn State team? Hmm. What do you think? I think it's probably the Michigan gap, just because I think there's uh, there's a significant gap for Penn State's offense from 2017 to now, mm-hmm. but I think how good Penn State's defense is this year makes up for a lot of that. I think that's whereas cool. Michigan's offense is it's definitely more dysfunctional this year, but in terms of scoring output, I, I would wager it's probably about the same. And I think the the defense is definitely worse. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's all fair. It, it, all of this gets back to the it, there's just like a sense, this weird cloud around this Michigan program, and a really bad thing to have to do when there's a weird cloud around your program is to have to come to Happy Valley against a Penn State team that seems like it has a little bit of juice, a little bit of swagger, has started to figure some things out in recent weeks, and is coming off of its most impressive win of the season. So let's break this game down, Nick. Again, we're going to do Penn State's offense versus Michigan's defense. We'll get to that in a second because I think that's uh, the more even matchup. But let's start with... Michigan's offense against Penn State's defense. Uh, I think coming into this year, the thought of a pretty solid offensive line, a veteran quarterback in Shea Patterson, and a legitimate wealth of talent at the receiver positions made it seem like this had the potential to be a really good matchup of a Penn State strength against a very solid unit for Michigan, but that just hasn't happened. Why has that not happened? And what role has uh, former Penn State wide receivers coach Joe Moore, not Joe Moorhead, Josh Gaddis played in uh, all of this? I think something that maybe the casual observer forgets about Shea Patterson in particular, and I, I think Shea Patterson is the kind of the key to all of this. Um, he was seen as before this season started, it was seen as such a good, such a good decision by Michigan to go through this offensive change because of what Shea Patterson's pedigree was. He came into college as a guy known for known for having a great arm, but could also move. Uh, it seemed it seemed like the perfect fit, but I think it's going a little bit under the radar the fact that he was at Ole Miss and he's now learned. So this would be what his third offense yeah. he's Third had to learn in in three yeah depending on i don't even i don't know if he had the same coordinators at all miss the whole time he was there what was he there two years i think one year two years i believe two years i'll double check yeah, that, so yeah. Th- so this is either the third year in a row he's learned a new offense or the fourth year in a row he's learned a new offense and at a certain point no matter how good of a fit you seem to be for a certain style of offense that's a lot of different things getting thrown at one kid in a really short amount of time. And 
he is just a kid. Remember, he's not, he's not a professional. It's, he has other things going on than just learning an offense. So that's a lot to ask of him. And I think that's probably a big reason why he struggled. Now that does not explain the fumbles. I, I don't know what, I don't know what, uh, Indian burial ground that Michigan defaced to cause these fumbleitis issues, but it's just this offense is never going to go any further than where Shea Patterson can take them. And right now he can't take them very far. I think a lot of people rightly, I would say, get enamored with uh, what he was as a recruit when he was legitimately one of the best quarterback recruits ever. I mean, I'm looking at 24 seven right now. He was the ninth best quarterback pro style quarterback recruit that 24 seven has ever had. Now, Nick, a quick trivia question for you. There are one, two, three, four, five people tied for 63rd with a .9982 composite rating. Again, tied for the 63rd best recruit in college football history. Can you name any of them? 9982? Yes, look back in your recruiting days, Nicholas. Oh, man. Since you're asking me this, I'm assuming there's some sort of Penn State connection. Oh, brother, is there? I don't. I don't think Hackenberg was that high, was he? He was not. Shall Shall nine, I? Run? Nine nine. So I'm Did, going. Um, uh, it's uh shorter. Shorter was nine eight. <laughs> um, was it Micah? It was Micah. Shea Patterson All right. by a uh, composite rating. Shea Patterson, Micah Parsons, uh, Travis Johnson, who I don't remember because he enrolled in Florida State in 2000, and then Oklahoma legend Rhett Bomar and Derwin James. Like, all okay. These, this is the class of recruit that Shea Patterson was in. I mean, he was a better recruit. I mean, I'm going, going down and looking at some of these names: Deshaun Hand at uh, Alabama, Will Hill at Florida, Ryan Mallett when he got like. Huge, huge names. He comes into Michigan under circumstances that uh, I, I want to be fair to him. Circumstances that I think added to it. Uh, I mean, when you consider who his head coach is and how he has a reputation for being a bit of a quarterback whisperer, the fact that he was able to transfer and not sit out a year, I think that added to the perception that Shea Patterson had to basically step in and be a superstar. Which, fair, not, whatever you want to say, is a lot to put on a kid. And what's ended up happening, especially this year, I'm glad that you touched on it, Nick, the fact that this is the third offensive playbook he's had to learn. That's really tough, but what is also really tough is the transit, and we saw this firsthand in Happy Valley, the transition of going from a, a, a offense that has so many pro-style aspects to it, like Michigan had last year, mixed with getting turned into a spread type of offense, which is what Michigan has this year, that's a really tough adjustment to make. And think of how Penn State struggled with that adjustment with someone who has been calling plays for years, with a new quarterback who didn't have to have those old pro-style habits being out of him, And just all these other things, and it still took them a third, you know, half whatever it was of the season to really show that they were clicking and getting into gear. There's so much that's being put on Michigan right now, Nick. And even with all the... Those issues would not be as exacerbated if not for the fact that Michigan's running game is um, not good. It is definitely a running game. <laughs> I think I think another underrated aspect of all this is going into the season, if you had asked any college football expert who the best offensive line in the country is going to be for the 2019 season, there's probably a good chance they were going to say Michigan, right? They were pretty consensus, consensus the top group at that position in the country. They were viewed as a very I'm, good offensive line, yes. Yeah. I'm wondering how much of how much of their struggles this season because they have struggled. I'm wondering how much of their struggles actually have to do with the change in the offense. Uh, is there 
is there a factor of being um, just still getting the con- getting kind of the RPO concept style of blocking down? I, I'm really curious. I, I, I don't know if, if we'll ever get an answer to that. Uh, maybe maybe next year at Big Ten Media Day, someone could ask a Michigan lineman about it. But I am really curious about what sort of effect that's had on that group because that group was supposed to be awesome and they haven't been. It's, and I think that's a big reason the rushing game has struggled so much. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned – this is kind of the area where I think we see that holdover from pro style to uh, spread and the issues that Michigan has had. Like their offensive line is a bunch of big dudes who want to throw people around and be physical and do that kind of thing. Their running backs, while I think that they are you, – you know, there's talent there, I think – that they, if they were still the big bruising style of football team, I think their offense, their running game would be a little bit more effective. But like their top option is Zach Charbonnet, who again I think is a good, talented young running back. He's also six one two twenty two. He's not really a guy who's going to blow by you, put his foot in the ground, make you miss. He's a bit more of a bowling ball, and in a spread offense, that isn't necessarily the best sort of thing. I, I mean, we have kind of seen in the last week, or, I mean, it was especially prominent during Illinois, uh, Michigan has started to realize that relying too much on Charbonnet might not be the best idea. I do. He also did get uh, dinged up in that game, but they started getting more Hassan Haskins in there. He had su- some success running against the Illini. Zach, against Charbonnet, 18 carries, 116 yards. True Wilson ran a little bit more. Uh, Shea Patterson gets asked to run, but I don't think he particularly likes doing that. But having said all of that, Nick, while acknowledging their the issues that they have, if there is optimism for this Michigan team, even with their running game struggles, even with Patterson's struggles throwing the football I would say that I am a little bit concerned about the pure talent that they have at wide receiver. Would you agree with that? Yeah, they have a lot of talent at wide. Uh, Ronnie Bell has been awesome this year. Tariq Black has finally been healthy for most of the season. Nico Collins seems like he's always there when they need a big play. Um, Really, the only guy that's been, I guess, kind of a disappointment is Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's been one of the more underutilized and under-targeted players in the receiving core. I don't remember. I think he was out for a game. I don't know how many. I don't. He may have missed more than one, and I forgot about it. But yeah, they they have a they have a very good receiving core. It's going to be a really a really fun matchup to watch between them and Penn State secondary, especially whoever ends up taking most of the snaps in the slot for Michigan, because mm-hmm. Lamont Wade has been really really good in that star position slash slot corner the last few weeks. And it, th- there is a chance uh, that they might not have uh, much it tight end. They're starting tight end, Sean McKeon. Uh, he's been banged up, and his backup, Nick Eubanks, has also been banged up. It's unclear uh, whether or not they'll be able to go, what percentage they will be good in the event that they go. Uh, and I believe uh, in bad news for people who like f- watching good receivers play football, Nico Collins might be banged up and he might not be able to go. But still, uh, Ronnie Bell has been a re- bit of a revelation for them. Tark Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones are two very talented receivers who are capable of doing some fun stuff. Nick, as I look at this matchup, Penn State's offense, I mean, Penn State's defense against Michigan's uh, offense, where are the areas where you think Penn State is going to be able to really punish Michigan? And where are the areas where you think if Michigan's going to have success, it's going to come from, you know, X? I think if Michigan has success, it's them hitting some shallow pass patterns. I don't, I don't really see this Penn state team getting beat over the top a lot. I know, I know it has happened here. I know Pitt um, found uh, crap. What's uh, Tacey or Mac on a few deep balls. And I know uh, Iowa had that just absolute incredible circus Brandon Smith catch for the touchdown. But I think part of that was probably Penn state knowing that 
kind of deep balls weren't aren't really part of either of those teams' game plans. I expect the secondary to be more prepared for that against Michigan just because they know the talent they have at receiver. So I think if Michigan is going to have sustained offensive success, it's going to take um, it's going to take that RPO game. It's going to take Patterson getting the linebacker sucked in on the threat of the run and then being able to hit people's Jones and black. And if, if one of the tight ends plays uh, over the middle on those kind of those shallow crosses and just have to hope, hope they can keep moving the ball that way. But one reason I don't think that's going to be able to happen is because I don't think this Penn state defense is scared of any running back. And I don't see Charbonnet, Wilson, Haskins. I don't see any of those guys being much of a problem because this Penn state defensive line is just mauling everybody they face right now. And when you have an off, excuse me, a defensive line that can get pressure with four guys the way they have, and not just get pressure on the quarterback, they've been doing it in a way that they, it's been controlled pressure. They haven't been overextending themselves. They haven't been leaving their lanes and they've been able to control the run game because of that. And the linebackers have been able to just feast on dudes after they get slowed down by the defensive line. So I don't, I don't see the Michigan run game as that, that much of a, uh, that much of a threat here for Penn state. And because of that, that's, that's really why I think, that this Penn State defense has a great chance to totally shut down this offense. Yeah, and as I was doing, uh, we I did a little bit more research than usual for this one because I'm not going to spend time learning anything about uh, about Iowa because why would I waste my time with that? I one stat really really jumped out. I mean, they're thirteenth, uh, they're thirteenth the total SP plus. Uh, 53rd in offensive SB+, and 84th in yards per game, 73rd in passing, and 78th in rushing offense. So basically, they're not good at moving the football. They are a, they are a below average offensive team when it comes to get doing things offensively. The big thing that I noticed, they are 91st nationally on first down. When they are in situations where they have to pick up, you know, five, six, seven, eight yards, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that with these Penn, this Penn State front is going to be able to pin its ears back. That's why I like that you mentioned dinking and dunking and trying to do that sort of thing because that's really the area where I see Michigan having success. I, I'm sure they can chuck up deep balls and hope something happens, but... They haven't been good this year on offense. They have been especially not good against good defenses. They've played two good defenses this, this year. They went to Camp Randall and they played Wisconsin where they scored 14 points, which is a very misleading statement to anyone who watched that game and had 299 yards of total offense, went 0 for 11 on third down. They also hosted Iowa, again, a good defense in those Iowa Hawkeyes, 267 yards total offense, 3 for 13 on third down. If Penn State is able to get Michigan behind the sticks on third down this year, I mean this week, they're going to win this football game. And Michigan's offense is not going to be able to do much of anything, even if Josh Gaddis you know, is familiar with, Penn, with how Brent Pry wants to coach up a defense, is going to have them try and do some things. So... When, when we consider all of that, Nick, I think we have to look to the defensive side of the ball for Penn State, I, for Michigan, because that's kind of the pathway to them being in this game. And the statement that Michigan's defense has taken a step back this year, while true, probably says a bit more about how good Michigan's defense has been in past years than this one, because this is a really, really solid defensive unit. Yeah, I think you're right. It it says more about how truly truly top of top of the country elite they've been cuz this this defense has a ton of talent on it. Khalil Hudson looks like he's looks like he's more back to where he was his first year in Ann Arbor. Jordan Glasgow is going to uh, Jordan Glasgow has been a beast. Aiden Hutchinson um Josh Uche is probably my, one of my oh. favorite non non Penn State players in the he country. Is he so is so much good. fun to watch. He is so good. He's like, uh, I mean, he's pretty similar to Yitor Grossmatos, but he 
he's probably probably a little bit faster. I think he relies on his speed a little bit more than Gross Matos does. But in terms of like in terms of body type and in terms of kind of what it looks like as he gets to the quarterback, he's pretty similar to YGM, which is cool. I mean, right, that's, like that's an awesome type of player. He's to watch. not a six five freak of nature. He he's just really good. Like he's six two, but the way he's able to impose himself on a football game is it, it's. If not for the fact they are playing Penn State this week, I would love, love, love watching it. Yeah, they 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 have a really a really fun defense that has gotten abused a little bit this year because they've had to be on the field so much and their offense has just let them out left them out to dry so often. But that being said, they have also been far from perfect, uh, regardless of those things. Um, you you would really hope for a better performance for, from them against teams like Army and Illinois, mm-hmm. and those performances just haven't been there. It's they're just a, they're as opposed to being a top five in the country defense, it's more like they're a top five in the conference defense, which is the big difference. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm looking at this and. You go from top to bottom. They allowed 21 points to Middle Tennessee State, which that's just not something that you expect Michigan to do. You expect them to you you expect them with the talent they have, with how good Don Brown is as a defensive coordinator. You expect them to shut out Middle Tennessee State. They got they got very unlucky against Army with how much their offense put the ball on the ground, and they were put into short field situations. Their defense did have a pretty solid game, but having said that. Allowing 21 points to Army in a game that you're one non-service academy kicker away from losing isn't ideal. They destroyed Rutgers. <clears throat> Whatever. Iowa, like, Iowa couldn't get a damn thing going against them. So then you look at Illinois. Michigan just started getting torn up by Illinois once like the second half started. And I don't know what we can take away from that. I Maybe not much, but I don't know. And then you look at the Wisconsin game. Penn State is not going to be able to do to Michigan what Wisconsin did because Penn State's offensive line does not have a bunch of freaks of nature. And I will, you know, I will sing the victors on this podcast if Penn State runs for 359 yards against against Michigan's defense like Wisconsin did. But the overarching thing there was that Penn State was able to win up. I mean, Wisconsin was able to win up front in that game. They were able to control the line of scrimmage and open up areas for their running game to get going, Nick. And Penn State's offensive line has played pretty good this year. I think that might be the thing that I'm watching, especially because one of their better front set, two of their better front seven players, uh, linebacker Josh Ross. And a guy having the buck position, uh, Quiddy Pay, who leads them in uh, tied for the lead in sacks with Josh Uche, leads them in tackles for loss. Both of them are banged up. It's unknown if they're going to be able to play this week. And this Michigan front is susceptible. I think this is probably the area where Penn State's going to be able to take advantage of them. Yeah, I along those lines, kind of a recurring theme we've had throughout the season is me being really interested in seeing how Ricky Ron is going to call the next game. And I, uh, you'll never guess. I'm really interested to see how Ricky Ronnie calls wow. this next game, but it's, it's more because I was talking about this on the Slack with somebody before or some talking with somebody somewhere. We've seen Penn state win games now this year by living off the big play. We've seen them win games by dinking and dunking underneath. And last week we saw them win a game like off, the, off of the run game. And it seems like each time that they sort of find a new way to win, it seems like there's at least somewhat of an emphasis on that game plan the week after. And hmm. I, saw on, I saw on an Iowa, I don't know if it was an open open game thread or if it was just on twitter or something but i saw somewhere an iowa fan said you know what i'm actually thankful that they only ran the ball with kane 22 times because if they had just run with clifford and kane all game we might have lost by 35 and i looked as i was re-watching the game and thinking about it i'm not sure i disagree with that 
because they were, I mean, they barely, I don't think Kane didn't have a single negative run. Clifford, when he actually set out to run the ball and it wasn't just a scramble, he didn't have a single negative run. So I'm really interested to see whether it's Noah Kane or not. I, I do expect, I, I'm kind of feeling like one of the other backs is actually going to have a really big game this week. I don't know why I feel that way. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see if Ronnie leans on the run a bit more than he has to this point after seeing how well it worked against Iowa. And I think Penn State is very capable of doing that. I think just even just the threat of KJ Hamler sweeping in behind Clifford and whoever's at running back just pulls so many eyes of the defense away and automatically opens some lanes that way. So I'm really curious to see if Ronnie leans on that run more because I think that Penn State could do a significant amount of damage to this Michigan defense if they if they do decide to stick with the run. Well, the thing is, if you kind of have to pick your poison against Michigan, you'd rather have to run the ball against this front opposed to as opposed to throwing it against uh, the secondary because Levert Hill, uh, Ambry Thomas, and especially Josh Metellus, who is a freak, like that's a really good secondary and. It's also, interestingly enough, the first game that I think Penn State's going to play this year where it's skill position guys, and this goes for both sides of the ball, but I think this really applies for the offense, aren't going to have a clear speed advantage. They're not going to be able to just run past dudes on occasion. So I think taking the approach of we're going to attack this front, we're going to use our collection of running backs and Sean Clifford to go at them, I think that sounds about right. I, I mean, at the same time, I'd love to see what Sean Clifford can do against the secondary. I think that the fact that he has been uh, relatively conservative throwing the football is a, like, that's a big boost against a team like Michigan that is going to want to try and fly around and rack up takeaways and do that sort of thing. And, one last thing, Michigan is good at getting to the quarterback. They're 21st, uh, they have 21 sacks in the year. They're 13th nationally, even though, again, uh, Quiddy Pay, I'm absolutely pronouncing that wrong, and I apologize. There's a chance that he does not play in this game. But Michigan is going to want to try and bring pressure at Sean Clifford. Uh, I think you would agree with me, Nick, that is absolutely the right decision. Uh, Don Brown is going to do what Pat Narduzzi did. He's going to do what off uh, Iowa defensive coordinator, probably another Ference tried to do. They know that Sean Clifford... Steve Ference. Yes, uh, Steve Ference with his uh, defensive line coach, Todd Ference, linebacker coach, Mark Ference, and secondary coach, Fran Ference. They all wanted to throw everything that they could at Sean Clifford and say, okay, kid, you are new to this situation and this exact situation going up against a top five defense like Michigan is still a new one to him. He's going to, he's shown that he can get a little bit too fired up at the start of big games and he can miss some throws and he can make some mistakes. And he, and I think again, you would probably agree with me on this, especially early on in this game. Sean Clifford has to avoid making some kind of major mistake because Michigan is going to throw things at him that he has probably never seen before. Yeah, I agree. I, I am cur- I'm to go back to my thread of curious to see what Ricky Ronnie does. I am curious to see if they, how much they go to the screen game because they didn't really do that against Iowa, which was a little curious, but I think that's something that they will likely do to try to neutralize, neutralize pressure um, caused by this Michigan front, but I, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head. I, what we saw last week from Clifford at the beginning of the game, we saw a kid in his sixth career start going on the road to an extremely hostile environment and just started off nervous. He had a little bit of happy feet. He, if he had kept his cool on some of those, a couple, both, uh, really both of those sacks on the first drive, he had guys open down the field if he had been able to pick his eyes back up and look down. So it's, I think, and and once once he kind of hit those passes and got comfortable, he became a different quarterback. I don't expect there to be that much of a 
that much of a kind of a panic period in this game just because he's at home and he doesn't have to deal with that environment. Um, well, I, well, I guess I could see it backfiring with it being the first time he's played with the whiteout. Maybe he gets a little too juiced up, but we'll see. But I, yeah, I, I think that he, Clifford grew a lot last week. He grew a lot as a quarterback, mm-hmm. and you could see it throughout the game, and I think that's going to serve him really well this week. I, I did just get interested in something. It's a thought that I'd had uh just popped into my head that I wanted to look into because we just mentioned a second ago that Wisconsin, when Michigan went to Wisconsin, they got gashed defensively, which is weird for this Michigan team because I, one thing with Don Brown is that his defenses have been really, really good in, in Ann Arbor. But what I wanted to do was I wanted to look back on the last two or three years of Michigan football. I went back uh, to the 2017 season. And I wanted to look at the loss, the big road losses that Michigan has experienced. Because just in the back of my head, there was like this little thread that I thought maybe we can tie all of those together. There was that uh, loss to Wisconsin where they just got annihilated. On, like Their defense just got annihilated by Wisconsin. Mostly it's rushing attack, but they were able to throw some passes. Then I go back to the two that I go back to last season. They went to Columbus in a game we all remember. Ohio State 62, Michigan 39, 567 yards of total offense for the Buckeyes. Then I go back to the year before that when they traveled to Happy Valley. They lost 42 to 13, Penn State 506 yards of total offense. Earlier in that same year, they went to Wisconsin, they lost 24 to 10, 325 yards of total offense. So I've noticed this little thread here where when Michigan has lost on the road in recent years in big games, their defense just does not bring it. Like, for whatever reason, the opposing team is able to find success against a normally really, really good defense. And I think that's something that I'm going to pay some pretty close attention to, especially when it comes to Sean Clifford, because this is the op- this is an opportunity for him to have a big boy game, the extent to which he just has not had before. And then same for Penn State's running game. Same, like for everyone, this Michigan defense has been susceptible to allowing points and yards in big games. And now it's going to be on Penn State. It's going to be on Ricky Ronnie and all those players to be the next team in that line. We already talked about the other side of the ball. If Michigan's offense can't do anything, they're going to lose this game. Well, if Michigan's defense gets annihilated like they have in some big games in the past, this one could get ugly. Uh, Before we start getting into predictions, Nick, I want to talk about the biggest thing that you want to see out of Penn State entering this game. Uh, For me, it's basically just I want to see them get off to a fast start. I think the longer they let Michigan stay in this game, the more likely it is that their that Michigan's defense is going to be able to make the kind of big play that takes this crowd out of it, that uh, you know puts Sean Clifford into situations where he could possibly make mistakes. If they take care of that early on and they get this crowd into it early on, I don't think Michigan has any chance of this game. What's the biggest thing that you want to see out of Penn State in this one? I want to see Clifford get comfortable as early as possible. And it's I I agree that I want Penn State to score early and often to get the fans into the game and get Michigan out of the game, but for me it's more that with the way this defense plays and the what we've seen out of this offense so far, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that once Clifford gets comfortable with the game, then Penn State's not looking back. And for me, the sooner that happens, the sooner we can see him hit some hit some rhythm throws, have his guys catch the ball for him, maybe get maybe get some yards on the ground just to kind of get himself into the game and get himself into the flow. Then I feel pretty good about Penn State from that point on. So the sooner that we can see that happen, the better I will feel. And then let's talk about X factors for both teams. Uh for Penn State, the X factor that you think could help them win this game, and then for Michigan, the X factor that you think can help them win this game. I the easy answer, Sean Clifford. I'm not going to go with Sean Clifford because I think this Penn State offense is probably 
I don't know. Well, I it could very well be Sean Clifford, but I'm going to flip to the other side instead, and I'm going to say Robert Windsor. I think that the Penn State defense is at its best when, I mean, obviously, Penn State's any defense is going to be at their best when the interior is causing pressure because that just changes the entire complexion of the game. But we saw last week what we saw from Robert Windsor in the second half of 2018, and we were reminded of just how good he can be. And if he can do that against, if he can be what he was against Iowa again this Saturday, then the game's over. I mean, that's the game. Michigan's not going to be able to do anything against this defense if Robert Windsor is collapsing the pocket from the interior, because at that point, Tony and uh, Gross Mottos are just going to ruin Shea Patterson. I would say, I mean, for Penn State, it's the crowd. If the crowd is able to, if the crowd whiffs up Penn State on both sides of the football, which, you know, I have no reason to think they won't do that. Like, I think Penn State's going to probably end up winning this game. For Michigan, I think the X factor is that their best players and the players who have the potential to make life easier for them are all veteran guys. I think that having a bunch of experience along the offensive line should, like, if they're able to coalesce, I think that could potentially provide some problems for Penn State. I think if Shea Patterson slows down and isn't too caught up in the moment, that can provide problems for Penn State. And then on the other side of the football, guys like Khalid Hudson, like Josh Uche, like uh, Overt Hill, Josh Metellus, if they can get that defense into a rhythm and they're able to knock Penn State's offense out of a rhythm just from the reps that they have in games of this magnitude – assuming they have learned from the mistakes that they have made in games of this magnitude in the past, I think that is a potential to to bother Penn State. But I think it's prediction time, Nick. Uh, our pal Bill C. has Penn State 28, Michigan 20, uh, based on where they sit in SP+. Uh, the total on this is 46.5. The spread... A little surprising to me, Penn State minus nine. So what do you think we're going to see in this one? Trivia question for you. All right. When was the last, when was the last time that Shea Patterson led Michigan played a night game of any note of any notoriety on the road? Uh, I will say trick question. They never have. They have. They opening week. 2018, they lost to Notre Dame. Yep. That was the last time that Shea Patterson has had to go into a hostile environment hmm. at night. He's. They've had games. They've had tough road games. They uh, They started this year. Or Sorry, I'm looking at the last year. They had, Last year, they had to go to Michigan State. They had to go to Ohio State. Those were both uh, noon kicks. Michigan State might have been 330. Um but that is, I mean, this year they had to go to Wisconsin, but that was in the middle of the day because, of course, it was. It was a Michigan-Wisconsin game. If he has not had to deal with what he is going to have to deal with on Saturday night. This Penn State crowd, I have zero reason and zero zero reason to believe otherwise and zero reason to doubt the fact that they are going to be absolutely raucous. It's an undefeated Penn State team. It's the biggest home game of the year. There's no reason that this is not going to be one of the craziest crowds that we have seen in recent memory. Game days coming to campus. Everything is lining up perfectly for Penn State in that regard. I I think that they are going to really rattle Shea Patterson. I honestly I would not be surprised would not be surprised to see Dylan McCaffrey get into this game. I think this defense is going to just steal every single nickel he brought for his lunch. I, I think that Penn State wins this game something like, I'm going to say 31-10. Well, uh, McCaffrey, he obviously he suffered. He is supposed to play. He, he is supposed to uh, be in. He, he did dress, he did yeah. dress uh, last week, obviously. Uh, for those who didn't see it, he got hit with a really, really scary targeting uh, against Wisconsin. And, you know, thank God he's okay because that was – that one was really bad, but he seems like he's going to be good to go. Uh, we might see him. I oh God, I can't think of who. Michigan has had to dip into their third quarterback. Uh, Joe Joe Milton. Joe Milton. That's correct. Uh, like I, I would be kind of stunned if they had to put if they put Joe Milton in under any circumstances. For me, 
I do think Michigan's defense is going to come to play. I do think Penn State's offense, uh, you know, I just have some concerns about the lulls that we saw last week against Iowa. I know that was on the road, but it wasn't against a good Iowa defense. Uh, There's going to be facing a better Michigan defense, one that is pretty good at getting into the backfield and getting into the quarterback. Having said all of that, I do think Penn State wins, but I do think it's a pretty low-scoring game. I don't think they really go for the jugular in this one as much as we'd probably like. I think Penn State wins this game something like 24-13. to 13. I, Again, gross, ugly, low-scoring game, but they do enough to get the win, and they use this game as a bit of a mile marker before they... So they can figure out where they at, where they're at, what they are as a football team, and then go into East Lansing and hopefully uh, overcome a Michigan State team that has been a bit of a thorn in their side way before they get into the bye week and get to go into the last month of the season with a little bit of swagger. So that's what I'm thinking on this one, Nick. Uh, I don't think I think Penn State covers, but I think it's a gross, ugly, low-scoring game. And when we think about gross and we think about ugly, we tend to think about Northwestern football, which leads off this week's uh, looking at the Big Ten slate. Northwestern normally does that, but they normally don't play Ohio State. And in a weird, in a weird way, I want Ohio State to just destroy Northwestern because I've gotten to the point of like all-time annoyance with Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, so as much as it pains me, Friday night, 8.30 kick on uh, Fox Network to be determined. I think Ohio Big State... Big Ten Network. They announced. Oh, it is on BTN? Ah, damn. I was hoping it was going to be on yeah. one of the Fox uh, Fox, Fox like news or business or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think... Streaming oh, on Netflix. Ugh. Oh, that would stink. Uh, what, what else would be fun? Uh, you can watch it on Facebook Live. Uh, yeah, I think Ohio State probably kicks the hell out of Northwestern and... After the game, Pat Fitzgerald like blames the media or something for his team being total butt. So here's the way I'm going to go about my Big Ten picks this week. Hell yeah! It's kind of uh, it's kind of a game, I guess. If you, I, I guess I told you it was a game before we started. I'm not really sure it qualifies as a game necessarily, but um, so I'm sure you saw, and I well, I know you saw. I'm sure most of our listeners probably saw the Josh Metellus quote about how oh, Michigan is. Still, still looking for revenge. Revenge tour. Be- because winning forty, what was it last year? Like forty-two to seven. That never. Well, no, that's no, not. Now the revenge is for the two thousand and seventeen game, which they said they got revenge for last year, but they apparently didn't. And now they want to get more revenge on revenge. Exactly. So, so it's all. It was. It was spawning tweets like revenge tour too i think dan had said revenge War, Re- revenge tour Two, the electric boogaloo and i tweeted out revenge tour Two, the second one so it's it got me thinking about why not for this week as we talk about the big 10 teams let's compare every single big 10 team to a movie sequel so to start off i am dubbing northwestern sandlot 2 agree Disagree? I it's been a minute since I've seen Sandlot. Hold on, let me. The Sandlot I have not 2. seen Sandlot Two. I would never subject myself. To oh, I have seen this one. I have seen this. So the I, Sandlot I Two. I would never do that to myself. The Sandlot Two I remember is somewhat notable because uh, if you're a parent and you have a child listening to this podcast, please cover their ears because Uncle Bill is about to make a cuss at like the very end. For whatever reason, in like the last. 10 minutes of the movie where they recreate uh, Benny getting chased by the dog. Like uh, the kid who is supposed to play Benny in this one says, Oh shit. For some reason, like it just doesn't make sense, but it happens anyway. Which is a great analogy for, for Northwestern football. It doesn't <laughs> make sense, but it happens anyway. As a total aside, like I was having a conversation with some colleagues, uh, today about Northwestern because I think Pat Fitzgerald is maybe the most interesting coach in college football because he should have 150% jobs. Like he should never be fired from Northwestern, but he goes out of his way to like hurt his program. 
He is fundamentally opposed to what worked offensively in 2019, and he helped Northwestern reach their ceiling, and now he is doing everything he can to make sure they never get back. Like, it's fascinating. And I wish nothing but the worst for Northwestern football until they fire Pat Fitzgerald and get in someone who isn't um, unlike On the other side of things... On the other side of things, Ohio State, I've decided to equate them to Mad Max Fury Road. Hell yeah! Because, because you knew you knew going into Mad Max Fury Road that it was going to be an awesome movie. You knew that it was going to be kind of chaotic and crazy and just all around awesome. And then you saw it and it was even more awesome and chaotic and crazy than you thought it was going to be. And that is what Ohio State is this year. Well, here's the issue with that analogy, Nick, if I may. Um, sure. As uh, people who follow me on Twitter might know, uh, Mad Max Fury Road is my favorite movie. So I don't like Ohio State being that. You have to, you have to put, you got to put that aside for this. It's just about finding the right fit. I suppose, I suppose. Uh, moving on. Uh, noon kick BTN on Saturday. Uh, Wisconsin is going to go into Illinois and in all likelihood do terrible, terrible things to the Illini. The spread on this one is 31, I believe. Uh, Nick, if you would be so kind, where are you uh, going cinematically? So Wisconsin, I have the Dark Knight. Okay, that's And my, my reasoning for that is that... Batman Begins was a really, really good movie. I think the more people go back and rewatch it, the more they realize actually how good that movie is. And I think there was, there was obviously a, a good amount of hype for Dark Knight before it came out. Um, but I think it was, it was fair to question whether it would be as good as uh, Batman Begins. And obviously it turned out to be even more, everything you could have wanted and more. And I think that's a good analogy for Wisconsin. Last year, Wisconsin was really, really good, and this year they've somehow, without really, without changing the formula too much, they've somehow gotten even better. And uh, what about Illinois? Illinois, I have as Batman and Robin, and my reasoning for that is because it, first of all, one of the worst movies of all time. That is that is universally agreed upon, but it's so bad that it's actually hilarious and it's really funny to go back and watch that movie. This Illinois team is not good at football, but they are not the worst team in this conference. And when you watch them play, you, there is enjoyment to be had. They have some interesting players. Um, they have, I, I don't know how to say his name, the US, one of their two USC transfers, the Ima Tora, Bebe, whatever, whatever it is, the wide receiver. He's great. They have Oluwole Batiku, who is awesome. So they have, they have things that make going back and watching them worthwhile. Like it's worthwhile going back to Batman and Robin and watching the um, ice skating scene with Mr. Freeze. Did you, uh, did you see when they talked about Oluwole Batiku on uh, BTM, the journey perchance? I did. I did not. I recommend finding that it was very good. I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. Um, moving on. Say target. Former future Penn Stater. For, he, he is a former future Penn Stater. That is correct. Uh, moving on, another noon kick, ESPN2, Purdue, traveling to Kinnick Stadium, Iowa, 18-point favorite here. Uh, I think Purdue's probably going to try and do some fun stuff. They're going to try and uh, be hyper-aggressive. They're going to try and get David Bell a bunch of receptions, but I have a hard time seeing them winning this football game. Uh, I think Iowa probably wins this one by two or more scores. Uh, Nick, what are you thinking? Um, about the game, nothing. About movies, Iowa. I, I see. These were these were the two that I had a really hard time figuring out. Iowa. I'm gonna go ahead and say the whatever the most recent Born movie was. I don't. I think it might have just been called Born. I'm not sure, but it, not not the Jeremy Renner one, the newest one with uh, Matt Damon. And I'm going with that because in that movie, I think Matt Damon has like he has like 12 lines. Like he barely talks. He just does what he does. He kicks. He just ruins everybody he comes into contact with. And that's Iowa's defense. They do what they do. They're nothing surprising. You know what you're getting from Iowa's defense. You know what you're getting from a Bourne movie. It's perfect. It's a perfect marriage. And then per 
do, I was kind of thinking Thor 2, because after Thor 1, and after kind of all the Marvel movies of that era, expectations were rising higher and higher for those movies, the kind of further along the trail they went. And Thor 2 just absolutely face-planted, arguably arguably the worst movie in that entire, in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, up there with The Incredible Hulk. Um, and this, this one's not to say that Purdue, it's not really their fault. It's more just because of the injuries they've sustained. Um, but after last year, after how surprisingly good they were after the big upset of Ohio state this year, they've, they've just tumbled all the way back down. Yeah. Um, I think I'd probably for Iowa, I'd probably go with like, yeah, I don't care about Purdue, but for Iowa, I'd go with Rocky three. Um, just because like, sure, it, sure. Oh yeah. You haven't seen the Rocky movies. Haven't you? Um, isn't this a weird personality quirk of yours? You haven't seen any of the Rocky I, movies. I, I haven't, I don't think I've seen any of them all the way through. Okay. I will file this in the back of my mind for the joke. I will get off a little bit later. I'll be out. I just like, Rando, like it exists it's fine it's whatever um mr t is in it and he rules aj epinesa plays for iowa and he rules all that uh we're gonna skip uh the first 330 game that comes up because i want to spend the most time talking about making jokes about one of the teams playing in that one uh 330 kick btn uh actually a pretty interesting game indiana heading to college park to take on maryland uh the hoosiers don't know they're a good football team they sit uh Four and two on the season, they're one and two in Big Ten play. But I like I'm a little. I think they have the potential to make some noise a little bit later this year. Uh, Maryland, meanwhile, listen, we've spoken enough about Maryland. We know what they are. Uh, I think if Maryland has one of those games where everything clicks for them, I think they they could potentially win this game. But I think Indiana probably wins a little bit comfortably. Nick, uh, what's going through your mind? So for Indiana, I have Ace Ventura two. I believe that was Call of the Wild. I believe was the the subtitle for that one. Um, but yeah, so wasn't that, Ace Ventura too? Wasn't that When Nature Calls? When Nature Calls, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Indiana, they've always been they've always been our beloved chaos team, but they they finally started kind of forming into a more well rounded football team. I'll say. Um, but really, in the end, you watch Indiana football for entertainment. You don't watch you don't watch Indiana football because you're expecting to see a national title quality contender. You're not expecting to see um, you're not expecting you're you're expecting to see a three quarter upset, not a full upset. But um, and that's I mean that's Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura is an awesome movie, really funny. Not the not the pinnacle of comedy of that era necessarily. There's I think there's other movies that rank ahead of that, but. It's, it's always a good time to sit down and watch. So that's why I went with Ace Ventura for Indiana. And then for Maryland, I gave them Anchorman 2. <sighs> this, this one's a little, a little bit of a stretch because Anchorman 2, I don't think actually, I, don't, I wouldn't say Anchorman 2 had, um, had a hype. I think everyone pretty universally was like, yep, this is a terrible idea. But they did it anyway. And actually, now that I'm saying this, I'm really talking myself into this. Okay, so let's, let's follow that thread. Everybody knew it was going to be a terrible idea. And said, okay, we're going to do it anyway. Hello, Mike Loxley. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, I guess that makes sense. Um, I I have nothing to add to that. Final Big Ten game of the week. Uh, 3.30 kick BTN, Minnesota against Rutgers. Minnesota is going to beat the brakes off of Rutgers. Uh, Surprisingly enough, even though this is at Rutgers, we can't play the ticket price game for this one because the cheapest ticket for this one is $16, which... I did what? not. I did see that coming. The cheapest ticket for Indiana Maryland is fifteen, so you can save money and see a better football game if you go to College Park. Um, maybe, maybe prices are rising because Rutgers fans are now expecting every game is the chance to be like the worst loss in college football history. Oh, so you want to make sure that you keep keep that ticket stub somewhere. History. Yeah, in a in a weird way that that does make sense. Uh, yeah, per, perhaps maybe like maybe they just want to be able to say, "I saw a team that is just complete and total utter butt." Um, I don't have a movie for Minnesota, but Rutgers. I'm going to say is Rocky Five. Uh, go ahead, Nick. I gave Rutgers Paul Blart Mall Cop two. <laughs> 
I have not seen. I actually, Paul Blart Mall Cop One is not the worst movie I've ever seen. I imagine two is pretty terrible. Um, that's that's <laughs> that's all I have for that. I, I just I literally googled worst movie sequels and that came up. So that's where I'm rolling with there. Minnesota, I I came up empty. I have nothing for Minnesota. I, I've never. I have never been less enamored by a football team, by a relatively good football team, than Minnesota. I, 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 I got nothing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of movies that I wasn't expecting to like, but they ended up being better than I anticipated. Because that, like, oh, you know, Minnesota's okay, that's fine. A good, that's a good thread. Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know what I'd, what, what I would pick considering that, but. Uh, <laughs> If you have uh, answers, tweet at Nick and not me. Um, yeah. As you as you continue talking through the next thing, I'm going to scan my DVDs and see if I find a fit. Well, the thing is, we're out of games this week. That's it for the Big Ten slate this week. Okay, but I have every single team written on here, so we're going to talk about all of them. Okay, what? Didn't didn't we skip a game? Yeah, we skipped this one. Yeah. Like, I wanted to make sure this is the last game we talked about. Oh, gotcha. All right, well, I'll, I'll just list off the other ones then. That's fine. Um, Michigan State Suicide Squad two. There, okay. it, it's not. It's not a again, not a total, not a great fit, but it's basically they're trying to do the same thing again and just. I real. I was trying to think of a movie where they made a sequel and actors changed roles, but I couldn't think of that. But you know. <laughs> I think that's understandable why I couldn't think of that. <laughs> why would anybody ever do that? Um, what was the other one? Um, oh, I didn't get anything for Penn State. I came up empty on that one, too. I I was trying to think of like something where like the sequel, like part of the sequel was really good, but like half of the sequel is really good, but the other half, like you kind of wish you had the previous half. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I ran out of steam towards the end of this. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I didn't see Kingsman two, but maybe that I don't know. Uh, maybe like like Shrek two. I don't know. Uh, that, could, that could be a fit. Um, uh, Michigan, Michigan. I had X Men two. Um, because I think X Men two. There was a lot of there was a lot of hype for X Men two. Just because it was a it was a comic book movie in a time where there weren't as many comic book movies, and the first one was, I mean, none of the X Men movies are good, but the first one wasn't a complete tire fire. And then the second one came around, and at the time, I think people really liked it. And the further we get away from it, I think people like it less and less, which feels fitting. Yeah, that seems about right. I, I mean, did you uh? Let me see. Who are the who are the remaining Big Ten teams? I'm trying to think if we. If um, we, oh, Nebraska. We didn't do Nebraska. Well, yeah, because uh, the podcast is a moral opposition to Nebraska football. Nebraska, I said Pirates of the Caribbean two, because I don't think we'll really totally be able to judge what happened this year for Nebraska until we see the third one. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's it. Are there any, are there any final things you would like to add, Nick? Um, I don't know. Go to the game. Be loud. Yeah. I I mean, it's going to be a fun football game. Neither myself nor Nick are going to be able to make it this week. So if you're going to be in happy Valley, just have an extremely good time and, uh, stay out of legal trouble, but otherwise. Ooh, I thought of one more thing. Oh, go ahead. I want to share my story of watching the Iowa game last week. So I live, in, I live in, I live in the Seattle area now. Um, for those of you that don't know, and we we wanted to go to a bar to watch watch this uh, watch the Iowa game um, because here a seven thirty start is a four thirty start, which is so convenient. It's so amazing. But we 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 went to a Penn State bar last year for the bowl game and didn't love it. So we didn't want to go back there. Um, so instead, we just kind of Googled Big Ten bars, and we found a place called Buckley's, which is in um, straight over by the Space Needle and in uh, Queen Anne, for any of you in the area. And we walked in there, and one step into the door, looked around, and realized, oh, my God, this is the Iowa bar. 
And I don't know if I've ever had as much fun watching and cheering for a football game as I did during that because, I mean, Iowa fans have so little to cheer for. It's like their their cheers for a first down run, you would have thought that they just hit like an 85-yard touchdown hook and lateral play. Like it was – God, I've never had so many people be so angry at me in one place at the same time. I had – I had old men flipping me off as I got up to cheer. Like it was truly, truly a remarkable experience. And I'm going to go back to that bar for that game every single year for the rest of my life. Well, you know, ideally Penn State and I would stop playing one another like as soon as possible because I can't take having to watch that ghastly football any longer. But it is, it is always, it is always nice to know that Nick engaged uh, in a little bit of friendship this week. So I am glad that he managed uh, to share that with all of you, uh, and I hope that that was just the perfect way to cap off this podcast. Uh, thank you to all of you uh, for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. Usual stuff goes here. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod. We missed a five-star review on iTunes. Make sure you're reading and supporting the site by going out, buying some shirts, and make sure you're following us uh, on all of our various social media channels. Uh, if you run to any of our uh, staffers this weekend in Happy Valley. I don't know who all we're going to have uh, roaming around. Make sure you go up to them and say hello. And uh, if they're mean to you, let us know. But yeah, one last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Minnesota, finding Dory? <laughs>